Thank you, Trevor. He lost his son. Well, today we're going to celebrate a baptism. And for all of you kids who have been raised in the church and your parents have baptized you, this is the promise that your mom and dad made before God and this congregation to raise you in the church and raise you knowing Jesus. So if you were baptized as an infant, what you're going to see today with Miss Emily and Mr. Matt's baby Maddie is what happened to you when you were little. You might not remember it, but God does a work in our heart and incorporates us into the family of God and into the church in this moment, and we're going to celebrate that together today. Matt and Emily, you believe in God, the creator of the universe. You repent of your sin and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil. You confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord. You desire for the Holy Spirit to work within you and guide you on your walk as a believer. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, to lead a Christian life. I ask you as the congregation, do you affirm your faith? And will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life to include this family before you now in your care? Would you respond with me? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with community of love and forgiveness, that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. God, you have so moved through water throughout the course of history that, that in it, your spirit hovered over the waters of creation and you brought about everything that we see. And God, it was through water that you delivered your people through the Red Sea and across the Jordan. And God, in the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water and God, it is through this powerful symbol that we celebrate the fact that your spirit comes through faith, that you wash us clean of sin and incorporate, adopt us into your family. So God, we pray that your spirit would be upon this gift of water and upon and in this child who receives it. We give you thanks and praise, God, us. In the spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning, it's my pleasure to invite forward Roy Gearhart, which is Emily's father, who is a pastor in our conference, and he's going to, to take the privilege and the honor of baptizing his granddaughter. Would you like a microphone? You can hold it. second most wonderful girl in the world. Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the grandparents to come up, and we're going to lay hands on Maddie and pray this morning. Jesus, we pray today for your blessing. As we have put water upon Maddie's head, we pray, oh God, for you to put your hand upon her. We pray, God, that as we've anointed her with water, that you would anoint her with the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that as we hold on to her as part of our family, part of a family that's committed to Jesus as our Savior and Lord, that you, God, would take her and hold her fast in your family in a way that when, as she grows, it would just be as natural as anything to know you, to love you, and to believe in you as Savior and Lord in her life. So we pray, Almighty God, that you would equip her, inspire her, and lead her in all of her life in the power of your Holy Spirit, through the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. She's the second most beautiful, but if she would remember that, she might not like me. <laughs> that guy that dunked me <laughs> got me all wet. Uh, if you would please fill out the Connect card uh, that you were handed when you came in this morning and put that in the offering basket. Uh, this morning, we are going to up oh, the kids. You can head downstairs with Miss Nicole. Enjoy your class. We're going to wrap up the Multiply series. I know that's a short series, but we're going to finish that today. Uh, it, we're going to continue talking about stewardship. Uh, I know that that's the most popular topic of every church that is across this land, uh, but we're going to hit this again this morning. Uh, sometimes it, when we talk about stewardship, the terms sowing and reaping, uh, have been so used and abused in church circles that many pastors shy away from using those terms altogether. But I, I really believe that 
there is some powerful biblical truth for life in this, these two topics, sowing and reaping. So I'm going to dig back into the Word of God this morning. The key thought for this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this in. Uh, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. Jesus actually taught this principle in Luke 6, 38. Uh, we're going to read those words. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, God will multiply what we give. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Jesus says it'll run over to you. Now, the, the first half of that verse is, is really straightforward, right? It's really easy to understand. Give, and it will be given to you. That If I give, I'll get back from God. But the next phrase is kind of a little like, huh? Let me, let me read that again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. That's, a, that's kind of a farming uh, term, analogy. We don't talk like that anymore. But workers were often paid in the grain that they were harvesting. And the, the landowner would pay them, and he wouldn't just give them a bundle. He wouldn't just, he would pour it and shake it down till it was running over. Uh, let me explain it to you this way. It, it's getting to be summertime. Uh, many people are visiting Brewster's. When you go to Brewster's ice cream and you get like a quart, that's like, why waste your time with a cone? You know, you just, you get a quart. You hope that you get a good measure. And you hope that they press it down and shake it and tap out all those air bubbles and all those voids. And you might even say, you know, don't, don't, put, a, don't put a lid on that. Because, you know, you can get a little bit more in there if you don't have to have a lid on it. That, Jesus says, when you give, God will give back to you like that. He'll press it down, shake it. No, no voids at all. It'll run over to you. Now, this is where I feel that some, some pastors sometimes go, go off the, the biblical text a little bit. Because in the church world, if, if you've been around church uh, for a while, there's two very unbiblical extremes that some preachers, some churches kind of fall into. And I, I want to talk about those. If you're new to church, I might say these terms and you're going to go, what? If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this. Now, the, the first unbiblical kind of extreme that we need to avoid is the prosperity gospel. Now, the prosperity gospel teaches, and it, you may have been at churches that talk like this, that if you give, and if you do that faithfully, that God will bless you, you will be rich, you will be healthy, you will be whole in every single way, you won't get sick, and as you walk upon this earth, you will have so much blessing, you will have so much wealth, that if you just give, it's an automatic, you will be blessed. And unfortunately, it would be nice, right? Um, but, but I think that's a distortion from what Scripture actually teaches us. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. 
Um, that is, that's money trouble sometimes. That's relationship trouble sometimes. That's health trouble sometimes. We are not guaranteed because we are Christians or because we walk with God or because we give that we will never have any trials in life. Now, on the, on the flip side of that doctrine is something that is called the poverty doctrine. And it also is a, an unhealthy, unbiblical. And the poverty doctrine says the only righteous people out there are those who live modestly and give all their money away. The, the poverty go- gospel, in essence, teaches that if you are rich, somehow you are automatically sinful and unrighteous. They think if you have and have an abundance, well, then you best be getting rid of what you have if you want to be pleasing to God. But again, this is unbiblical and dangerous as far as preaching because Scripture affirms that God blesses his people, sometimes with wealth. Now, it's not the only way God blesses, but it's on the list of ways that God blesses his people. So you can't make a blanket statement that anybody that God blesses with wealth is automatically unrighteous or evil or sinful in any way. The truth is it's not really about how much you have or how much you don't have. It's more about the condition of your heart and how you manage what God has given you. It's about it's about what's inside and how you relate to the blessings of God. Now, I point out those two extremes to affirm the fact that we can find the center. <laughs> we can find the heart of God and walk in it. The truth is what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Uh, it's the story of the little boy who shared his lunch when Jesus fed the 5,000. He, he gave a couple of fish and a few small loaves of bread, and Jesus took it, and he blessed it, and he multiplied it and fed all those people. It was a miracle because that little boy was willing to share his lunch. And I've always wondered about this. It doesn't say in Scripture, but I'd like to think that the disciples sent that little boy home with a truckload of fish and bread. I mean, I I hope they loaded him down so he could almost not walk. I would have loved to see his mother's face after being sent with the lunch and coming home with a basket full. You know, where did you get that? Well, there is this guy named Jesus, and I gave my lunch, and he gave me all this. God multiplies our gifts. Well, what you keep is all you got. But if you'll give it, I believe God multiplies it. Um, I want to give you a couple principles of giving this morning and then look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But here's principle number one, you reap what you sow. The scripture is Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, that applies uh, to you ladies too. Um, You reap what you sow. In other words, if you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get an orange tree, you will get an apple tree. You reap what you sow. If you smile at somebody, generally they will smile back because you reap what you sow. If, if you forgive someone, generally you will be forgiven because you reap what you sow. If you give your wife tenderness 
and love and treat her with respect, she will most likely give those things to you in return. If you give her a hard time and, and pick on her all the time and don't treat her with respect, well, ladies have ways of making you pay. Amen? I mean, they, they, you, you reap what you sow. Principle number two, you actually reap more than what you sow. Not, not only do you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. You, you can't outgive God. Matthew 19, 29, Jesus says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake. Basically, if you sacrifice for me, if you give, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, a hundred times as much and eternal life for you numbers people, that is a good return on your investment. And I don't know anything that offers a hundred times, but God says, if you give, if you sacrifice, I will multiply it a lot. In fact, Jesus told a parable about a sower in Matthew 13. It's actually called the parable of the sower. And, and those who sowed the seed in good soil saw a return of 100, 60, 30 times the amount that was sowed. You reap what you sow, and you reap more than what you sow. That's just how God works in God's economy. Now, the reality check with all that is God is not some kind of cosmic slot machine in the sky. You know, you put in a quarter, say a little prayer, and it, it, the blessing just dumps out automatically. That's not how it works. I, I don't want you to hear that. But God blesses those who give. He does. Uh, a personal example, when Lisa and I got married, uh, we decided to tithe. That was a, a regular habit for me, and it wasn't for her. Uh, so we took that step of faith together. And then after I graduated from seminary, I, I approached my wife cautiously. And I said, you know, we've been so blessed. Um, we, we both graduated from college without any student loans. I graduated with a master's degree with $4,500 worth of debt. That's it. Um, I said, God has blessed us. We're, we're going to be taking the first church. I said, I, I would really like to tithe and give more than 10%. And my wife said, how much? <laughs> she does our finances, by the way. <laughs> how much? And I said, um, I was thinking maybe we could go 15. And she said, do you know how much that is? You know, I don't do math. Um, I said, well, <laughs> yes, um, we make $27,000 a year, and I've done the math. I know how much that is. I'm not answer, asking for an answer right now, but could we maybe pray about that? <laughs> you know, I, preachers always pull that card. You know, pray about that. Um, we prayed, and she said yes, and we took that faith of step, step of faith together. God is not the cosmic slot machine, okay? I'm, just, I'm not promising that this will happen to you, but we took that step of faith, and the next week, the church secretary called me to her office. I was not in trouble. Um, and she handed me a check. I was often in trouble with her. She's a wonderful lady. <laughs> um, but I would, I would spill coffee on her desk and leave a sticky note that said, just thought we could share coffee this morning. We, we, 
she would lock me out of my office. Anyway, she called me to her office, and she handed me this, this envelope. And I said, well, what, what, what's this? And she said, it's a check. Somebody from the church decided to bless you. And I said, oh, that's, that's nice. And I went to turn to walk out with the envelope. And she said, whoa, 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 wait. She said, you're not going to open that? I said, well, I wasn't planning on opening it, like, right now. But, you know, should I open it right now? <laughs> and she got this big smile on her face, and she said, I think you should open that right now. <laughs> so I opened it and then just stood there in shock um, because it was a check for $6,000. Um, I, I have never seen God's economy, like, work. But God, when you give, God blesses. And when you, what you reap what you sow, and you always reap more than what you sow. Because that made up the difference in that 5% right there, right in, in, one, in one gift. So we paid the school loans off. Again, God is not a slot machine in this guy. You, 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 can't, you can't give, hold the prayer, and have that happen. But you cannot out give God. God does math different than we do math. I don't, you know, it's like God doesn't do addition. God only does multiplication for some reason. And he is an amazing, amazing God. Now, if that's not good enough news, I want to share 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Uh, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So three truths. Number one, your heart matters to God. Your heart matters to God. God loves it when we give cheerfully. Why? Because God, it says, loves a cheerful giver. God is not concerned um, necessarily with, with the, the amount so much as our heart's engagement with that amount as we walk in faithfulness. God loves it when we love to give because God loves to give. John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave. Some of us, I think, have just not gotten to the point in life where we love to give yet. Uh, it's not fun for us. And how do you get to that place? I, I think that the only way you can get there is by doing it. And that as we do it and we see God multiply, and as we see God meet needs, and then our heart gets engaged. And we it becomes fun to, to trust God and to, to wait on him to see how he's going to meet those needs and how he blesses and how he multiplies. That's amazing. I, I can't begin to tell you, over the 17 years of ministry, how many people have started to give and come up to me and said, you're not going to believe this. That, that's always how it starts. You know, I, I offered God this, and you're not going to believe this. And I'm uh, trying. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard a few. But in 17 years of ministry, I have never heard a testimony of, about I kept it all. I, I've never heard one person say, you know what, there was this family that they, they weren't going to have a Christmas. And we were considering helping them out but thank you, Jesus, we overcame that temptation. And we kept it all, and we bought a flat screen TV, and life is good. I've never heard a story like that, ever, in 17 years. I've never heard it. But I can't tell you the number of people that say, you know what? I gave this, and God did this. 
and he multiplied it there. And not only did it get multiplied there, but it, it, they turned around and blessed that gift there. And you just can't imagine, Pastor Steve. And I'm thinking, I, you can't believe how many stories I have heard like that. But I, I've never heard a, an emotional, I can't put it in story. He loves it when our heart is engaged. And if I can find where I'm at in my notes, I'll share this after. Okay. Um, you cannot outgive God. Here it is. Uh, verses 8 through 11 from 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So you, you give a certain amount, and, and God can multiply that and, and bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, um, sometimes we don't give because we think, well, how am I going to get by? That you have all you need. You will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness, the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I think that's why we are at the place where we are as a church. Um, because you cannot outgive God. And all of you have given and sacrificed and loved and shown grace and God has, we've, re, we've sown all of that, and we are reaping what we have sown. But we wouldn't have been able to embark on this building project with, without all of you stepping up to the plate and sowing those seeds. And we are reaping the blessing for it. There, there's two times in the Christian life, and I think when, when we are most like God, when we are giving and when we are forgiving. And those two lessons, giving and forgiving, are some of the hardest lessons to learn in the Christian life because they really have to come from our heart. And we have to walk in faith and trust that God will do justice and trust that God will meet needs. But God is meeting our needs. And God is multiplying our gifts. And your love has overflown and God, we, we are living as a church in the season of harvest. And the harvest is only going to get bigger and it's only going to get better as we keep the main thing, the main thing, showing people Jesus. Number three, people will thank God because of what you give. Uh, that's verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It, it really isn't about us. The, the, the capital campaign wasn't about us. The building project, it's not about us. It's about bringing glory to God. As we show people Jesus, the result will be that he gets the glory and the honor. The face of worship in eternity, when, when we all gather together up there someday, will be different. It, it, it won't look like it would have looked if you and I wouldn't have been together for this season of ministry. The face of eternity 
will be different because we gave and gave glory and honor to God. You might be sitting next to someone this morning that is here because you gave. Maybe you helped out at Grow and some life was touched, whether it was a kid or an adult, and they came to know Jesus because you gave. Or, or, or maybe you, you provided food for student ministries. And the excitement of what was happening opened some student's heart up to Jesus. God will get the glory. You reap what you sow. You reap more than what you sow. What you keep is all you have. But if you're willing to give it, God will multiply it. We serve a miraculous God who loves to multiply the gifts of his people. The heart matters, and God loves it when we love to give. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks for this this day, this time, this season of harvest as a church. And God, we pray that as we continue to sow those seeds of love and, and grace and continue to give our gifts to you, God, as we give our first and as we give our best, that you would bless the rest, and that your name would be glorified. We pray for all the people, kids, adults, students, that will come to know Jesus because you don't just do addition, you do multiplication. And God, we pray that through our lives, through our giving, through our serving, that you would get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all God's people said,